Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning, and this is Kim with Black Free Thinkers, and we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. Once again, we are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. So, guys, wow, this this has been a really interesting past couple of weeks, and you know, there's been a lot going on. I'm pretty sure you all have been watching the new reality show TV called Running for the Office of the President of the United States. So it's just been interesting. Um, you have Donald Trump out there <laughs> arguing with or basically uh, slandering everybody, which is interesting. <laughs> you know, you have Bernie Sanders who would have been considered a long shot many, many moons ago, but he actually has a chance to win, you know, the Democratic nomination. So it's been really interesting watching all of these events take place. And, you know, at one point I was laughing at some of what was happening, but it got to be it got to a point where I knew it really wasn't funny anymore. It really wasn't funny at the beginning. But it's truly not funny now because if certain people win and I mean I'll just go ahead and say if if Donald Trump wins, he's already told us what he thinks and how he feels about people. There are others that are saying that he's just playing the role and what have you, but Again, we need to start taking this a little bit more seriously, or at least myself, start taking this a lot more seriously and seeing what's happening out there. Um, Those of you that are um, paying attention, you'll see that the Black Lives Matter movement is still basically interrupting these different candidates going out to the rallies and, you know, interrupting them and and basically making them answer for certain issues. And good morning, Ray. Good morning. How are you? I am good. And yourself? I'm well. I'm going to mute myself for a second because I have to um, get my headphones set up. So um, I'll I'll be right with you. Okay. (laughs) So um, again, you know, we talk we talked about a number of different subjects on the show, and today is not going to be any different. But it's some news stories that are out there that um, Ray and I wanted to kind of go over a little bit because you know there are a lot of things happening. We want you all to be aware of it. We got to make sure we're aware of it, and. You know, there are some things that need to be addressed. And for for myself, 
you know, I don't do a lot of talking on my Facebook wall or on any social media, actually. You know, I generally post stuff. And sometimes I'll make a comment, but for the most part, no. Um, if someone tries to engage me in the comment sections, well, sometimes I, you know, I'm there. You know, sometimes I post the stuff, and I'm not even on Facebook. You know, I have these different programs. And, again, it's voice activated, so I'll tell it to post to Facebook, Twitter, or what have you. And sometimes I never go back to Facebook. So for those of you out there that have posted um, and wanted to engage, you know, I wasn't necessarily ignoring you. It's just that um, sometimes I'm not even on the application. Sometimes I'm not even on Facebook. So, yeah, you know, it's been interesting. That movie that came out last week, because today is Sunday, the start of a new week, and it's called War Room. And so I've been hearing people talking about that show, and, you know, I read an article, and I posted it on my wall. And so the person that wrote the article, you know, um, they basically said that the, the movie made them shake with rage, saying that it was pushing Christianity instead of crack. And so when I saw that and I read that, I was absolutely surprised that, you know, someone would make that particular analogy. And so it's just really interesting, but um, wow, wow. And they posted a picture of the woman, the older woman, and the younger woman sitting on a bench, you know, talking and laughing. And the caption under the picture is, don't be tricked by the happy faces and the magical old woman. These are very dangerous people. So basically, you know, it gives a point-by-point analysis of the movie. But basically, it boils down to the fact that, you know, this older woman told the younger woman to stay in an abusive marriage. I mean, he was, you know, cheating on her and, you know, a number of other things. And, you know, again, he was, you know, humiliating her. Um, and it was just, it, was, it sounded like a horrible marriage. But the older woman encouraged the younger woman to stay and work it out. And miraculously, the husband turned his, you know, turned away from his wicked, wicked ways and started treating her well, all because of the power of prayer. And for those of you that have been listening to this show from the beginning, you know we will talk about these things. I've talked about how women have put their lives on the line. Some have lost their lives staying in these abusive marriages, relationships, because you, you know, are putting all of your trust. You know, you have a lot of these ministers and pastors that will tell you to stay in that situation and then just, you know, take your concerns to God in prayer. And God and the Holy Spirit will work it out and work on the heart of the man or woman that you're experiencing these, you know, these troubling issues with. But with this particular movie, you know, it was just, you know, initially the younger woman wasn't trying to hear anything the older woman had to say. But the older woman kept, you know, badgering her, wearing her down, and and she started listening, and then the older woman charged her to go and find a younger woman 
to teach these same values to you know you stay you endure, but you know take it to God in prayer. Don't criticize him. Don't nag him. Just you know submit to your husband. And you know and and then the older woman, from my understanding, now again I have not seen this movie, and I had no intention of ever seeing this movie. But now I may see it because of this review. But they, you know, when I say see it, I'm talking about when it comes to Netflix. Um, basically, the older woman turned to the audience and charged those in the audience to go out and, you know, uh, and, and I guess, you know, save some souls or, you know, uh, advise some women to just hold on and things will get better. And that's not necessarily the case. And so, you know, that that is what makes this dangerous. That is what makes um, certain aspects of different religions dangerous. Because, you know, again, these men are looking at their women, their wives, girlfriends, you know, because this extends beyond marriage. And they look at these women as their property. And also their children, because those of you that are familiar with me, you know, people know that that I'm really, really sensitive when it comes to kids, because kids are not your property. They're your children. They're not chattel, just like another adult isn't chattel. Not your property. And so, you know, again, they're charging people to go out there and to give bad advice to women to stay in situations like this. You know, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be their, you know, husband or boyfriends. It can be their fathers. And that's why, again, I, you know, I spoke about children. And unfortunately, you know, some of these people, whether it's the, you know, adults or the child, when they try to go and seek help, whether it's through, you know, the ministry or, you know, other means, you know, when the abusive person becomes aware of the fact that, you know, their business is being put out on the street, as they like to say, they get angrier because what happens in this house stays in this house. And I know many of you all have heard that growing up. You know, I know I have. You know, you don't go out telling our business to everybody in the street. And now because of what you said, we got, you know, the white man in our business. So it's it's interesting. Um, it's it's sickening. And, you know, again, you know, when I'm reading the article and she was talking about the magical old lady, and, you know, I, unfortunately, in a lot of these movies, you know, they they do put women of color in such a position that they seem magical. Or, you know, it's like, you know, they're an oracle or something like that. You know, and it's not just the women and men, too. The Legend of Bagger Vance. You know, they had, you know, um, Will Smith, and he was this magical Negro. And it's just really interesting because on one hand, we're the magical Negro, but yet when they're beating us in the head with their police baton and tasing the hell out of us and pepper spraying us all at the same time, you know, then all of a sudden you're the Tasmanian devil and, you know, (laughs) the Incredible Hulk. And, you know, this is something that I've never understood. You know, we're supposed to be all of these superhero, magical folks, but yet they still see us as subhuman, and they treat us such, you know, such a way. And so it's just, it's it's horrifying. 
It really is. You know, you sit down and you think about this, but, <clears throat> excuse me, um, this is crazy. So, I mean, for those of you all that have watched this movie, you know, um, you want to give some input, that's great. But, you know, I'm just looking at some of the, you know, bullet points here. And I guess a young man was trying to mug the older woman, and basically the older woman told him not to kill them in the name of Jesus. And apparently the man was like, "Mm, okay. And so, you know, it's just, you know, I'm sitting here. But the thing is, is that it doesn't surprise me because I grew up in this. You know, I remember some Jehovah Witnesses, or I can't even say they were Jehovah Witnesses. I take that back. What I can say is I remember when some evangelizing church folk were, they were knocking on my door, and this is when we lived in another state. And I was home. My mom was at church because it was a Sunday. And they kept saying, open this door in Jesus' name and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you know what? I opened the door and I ran through to the other door in the house. And so I sat there and watched them as as the door opened and no one was there. And, you know, they didn't come inside. They looked around and they were like, hello, hello. And then they went away, which I thought was funny. And so then when I knew they had gotten down the stairs, you know, I I went inside the doorway and I said, have a good day. Then I closed and locked it. So, you know, I was mischievous. Let's see, how old was I? I had to be about 16. Yeah, I had to be about 16 years of age. And so it was just interesting. Um, I wouldn't do that now. Needless to say, but it was just a very interesting situation there. But, you know, I'm not going to spend too much more time on this movie. But, you know, again, you know, just. I'm talking about that War Room movie. Okay. Yeah, my mom saw that movie. She didn't really tell me anything about it, but, yeah, she she liked it. So. So, if you go to my wall. It's the last thing I posted last night, so it's there underneath today's um, Black Free Thinkers Praxis. Oh, yeah, for those of you out there, we have the Black Free Thinkers Praxis. We have the Moving Social Justice Daily. Those are our two paper leads, and, you know, basically it calls information or pulls information from all different, you know, types of social media, and we have it programmed to, you know, pick up certain code words or hashtags. So you get a chance to go out and read it. It's actually, you know, a very good paper. And, you know, I also throw a caveat out there. It also pulls news sources from people that we normally would not read. So sometimes it does pull from some of these conservative websites and, you know, Breitbart and a number of other ones. But, I mean, personally, I think it's good that sometimes we read what they have to say, because last thing I want for us to start doing over here is to have confirmation bias. Although it's too late for most of the people that I've interacted with over on the secular community, but that's another story. But, you know, it's just interesting. Anyway, so, yeah, go and read through this, 
and go watch the movie if you're going to go. Um, you know, I'm not telling people to go and pay money to see this. I'm not. Like I said, if it comes to Netflix, yay, I'll watch it then. But other than that, not so much because basically this, this movie is telling women to stay in, you know, life-threatening situations and telling them that if they pray long enough and stay and endure the bullshit long enough, they will be rewarded with a husband who treats them like a queen. So, no, 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 um, guys, you know, or, you know, people out there, if you are in an abusive, you know, relationship or situation, there is help out there. And so I've seen this story going around that there's a moving service that will move um, women that are in abusive relationships for free. Now, I don't know. I have not had a chance to read it. I have not had a chance to check it out. I saw about 13 people posted it on Facebook, and I just saw it this morning, so that was right before the show, and I didn't want to necessarily lose focus. But um, I'll research it, and if it's legitimate, I'll put it on my wall. But not only the moving services, you know, you have domestic violence shelters all throughout the country. They can help you. Um, and, again, with the children, you know, that's that's kind of hard right there. But, you know, especially some of the children, if you're LGBTQ and your parents are abusive or have kicked you out, there are LGBTQ homeless shelters, you know, apartments, homes, everything that are being opened across the country to address this very real need, this very real dilemma. The majority of the, you know, homeless children out there, you know, are LGBTQ, and we need to address these issues. So anyway... You know, I'm just sitting around looking at it, and at one point it says the woman, the young woman, was running around talking about get out devil. And, see, and this is the thing. It's, you know, the young lady who wrote the article has said nobody is supposed to think it's weird. And my response to her and that is not really because when you, when I grew up with religion, I saw people doing this all the time. You see people doing it on social media. You know, so... <laughs> You know, you've seen people say in Jesus' name when they wanted to shut down our arguments and so on social media. You know, I remember one time I was um, hanging out online with some of my favorite church folks, and so we went over to a live telecast for um, one of these mega preachers, and this is a segue, guys, uh, one of these mega preachers, and she got so angry with us, she started shaking the camera threw her headphones across the room and start, you know, Christian, you know, cussing us out in Christianese. And Jesus, then, it was like the funniest thing ever. I don't do that type of thing anymore, but it was absolutely hilarious. And so, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> you know that was funny. Oh, I laughed. And when was this? This had to be 2011, 20, yeah, somewhere around in 2011. You know, but, you know, I've grown, I've changed, you know, I've apologized to, you know, and I'm, it's just who we. So anyway, moving on from, from that, you know, the reason why I mentioned briefly mega pastors is because Donald Trump is supposed to be meeting with a select group or a small group of 30 mega pastors. Um, you know, he's good friends with Paula White. You know, the megachurch pastor down in Florida, 
who took over who took over for Zachary Timms. That was the pastor that looked like Will Smith and died of a heroin and cocaine overdose in New York. But, you know, we're not going to even get to that right now, but I just wanted to kind of give you all some idea because I know I talked about it briefly on the show last week. I wanted to give you all a head start as to what we would be talking about today. So, you know, there are a lot of things happening, and I know Raina's going to want to chime in on this. You know, you have these news organizations out here, Fox and other conservative stations, namely Elizabeth um, Hesselbeck and, you know, um, Bill O'Reilly and Glenn Beck, calling the Black Lives Matter movement racist and a hate group. And Mm -hmm. so they're trying to trot this particular narrative, a trope out there, and paint the Black Lives Matter movement as being a hate group. And so they've been, you know, appealing to the SPLC to designate this movement as, you know, a hate, you know, a hate group, a hate movement. And this is the same tactic that they use with the Black Panthers, which is why when I mention the Black Panthers, I always talk about the great things that they did. They were not a hate group. And so this is why I think it's important that we get out here and we engage and we start basically knocking down these false tropes because, you know, you have, you know, Fox News and other conservatives saying this here, and the same rhetoric is being, you know, played out. And, you know, to tie that in with the police officers that have been killed most recently, and they're trying to tie that to Black Lives Matter. And that is not true. There are you, the police officers, you know, the rate the police officers are being murdered now is the same rate it was last year. And, and it, it's not because of Black Lives Matter. And what's interesting about the dilemma here in Illinois, because I live in Chicago, is that the police officer that was killed, it was two white guys and a black guy. So I guess that black guy is, you know, again, one of these super, you know, natural creatures, and he has the two white guys brainwashed. And so that, so I'm just sitting here, and I'm looking at this madness, and we need to basically put them in place when we hear this. You know, the police chief in Houston was out there trying to, you know, tie this to Black Lives Matter, and he said all lives matter. Cops, lives, lives matter. Yeah, I saw right? that. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. and it's some bullshit. And so, guys, yeah. we need to shut that down immediately. Go ahead, Rayna. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's it's troubling to hear people, you know, try to um, act as though Black Lives Matter is a hate group. I mean, you know, it's it's not a hate group. And I would even say that even for the more extreme, you know, people who are um, – out here um, engaging in activities under the Black Lives Matter, you know, banner, that even right. the more extreme ones aren't um, aren't a hate group per se, um, you know, although some of them may be, you know what I mean? Right. But most of them aren't. And, I, and one of the things that was so troubling about that Virginia shooting with the, uh, you know, the uh, two um, employees from the news station down there was how, um, how readily the news was willing to tie the killer's, you know, motives into what he uh, what he said was, you know, his interest in the Black Lives Matter movement or what have you. But yet when we're looking at killers like Dylan Roof and 
um, that Adam Lanza or, and, um, you know, some of these other ones um, who have made their, you know, their patriarchal, you know, racist, you know, views known, right, via manifestos and what have you. You know, there's all of this debate about was Dylan Roof a racist or was he just a troubled young man? You know what I mean? Right. Meanwhile, right. you know, they're speaking as though this uh, character from the um, Virginia shooting, you know, was 100% motivated, you know, by um, racial animus, you know, and, and right. or racial fights that he, that he had faced and what he, um, you know, in his concern about, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, it's just, it's so disingenuous. Um, you know, it just, it just demonstrates, you know, the depths of white supremacy that we can't, we can't affirm the value of the lives of people of color without someone trying to turn that into um, the hatred, you know? Right. Um, right. And just because we say black lives matter, that does not make us anti-white. And unfortunately no. you have a lot here that are trying to twist it that it way. This is anti-white so, supremacy. That's what it is. Exactly. 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 And so, you know, um, I recorded part two from the show last week, and, you know, I specifically said this because, I mean, I know I've talked about how um, we had some groups out there that were trying to latch on with Black Lives Matter, and, you know, there's one in particular that I find particularly dangerous, and that's why, you know, when I say co-op, you know, we're only talking about, you know, a couple of different groups or what have you, but that new Black Panthers party, no go. No go because mm-hmm. they're the ones out there that are, you know, putting out vitriol that's giving fodder to these conservative, you know, newscasters, these conservative politicians. But honestly, but honestly it's a red herring because I mean, let's just mm-hmm. let's just call a spade a spade, right? The new Black right. Panther Party. First, they have nothing to do with the original Panthers. Second, exactly. their their numbers are very small. And they don't have the support of the majority of black people in this, you know, in this country or in the world. Right. You know what I mean? So the fact that anyone focuses on the new Black Panther Party, just, I mean, they're, they're reaching. They're reaching for anything. Right. Just like they're reaching with this guy in Virginia. You know, they want to stir up controversy. They want to do anything and everything that they can to get Black Lives Matter out of the news cycle, to get it put back right. on, the black, on, on the back burner. So that no one has to deal with the with the insane racial dynamics that have been exactly. actually ongoing in this country, you know, since the end of exactly. slavery. You know? Exactly. And you know what I'm afraid of is with them using that type of rhetoric and when I'm saying them I'm talking about these conservatives and using that mm-hmm. type of rhetoric and finding fringe people like that and that Marine, it's a black Marine whose video has gone viral and, you know, he's chastising Black Lives Matter. But, you know, what they do is they take, the, you know, these stories. And like Raina said, you know, it's the very, the numbers of people that are supporting these French groups is very minute. But they take those videos, they take those stories, and they constantly put it in the news cycle. So it has people mm-hmm. thinking that, you know, that is a lot of people that, 
you know, these folks are mainstream and that they're being embraced. And so it scares people. And so what I see happening now, and this is just me saying this, but what I see happening now is what they're trying to do is, you know, galvanize and, and, and incite you know, some of these white people, with some, with some of them, they have a mob mentality. And if you go back throughout history, you'll re- go and read about the race riots. We've done a few shows on it, and you know, with domestic terrorism. And we've had situations in this country in which, you know, white vigilante mobs went out and they started killing black people in the streets. They would show up mm-hmm. to their homes, make them come out. They would have the police with them. In some cases, they would have the pastors. If you want to hear about more of that, we did a show on Wilmington. And, you know, Chris Forever, it was the director, and we had him on, and he was talking about what happened there. You have Rosewood, mm-hmm. you have Tulsa, you have New York City. I mean, it just went all around the United States in which they took those even the people's- Even going back mm-hmm. to Trayvon Martin, you know, Goldsboro. You know, look up Goldsboro. That's right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, you know, you go out and you guys read on this and get some information about it, but it seems like they're trying to, you know, keep that fear. And, you know, on because it's just fear sales in this country. Fear sales. And so they're keeping Mm -hmm. white people fearful and distrustful of, you know, black people. And again, like I said, you know, we have three shows coming up after this, and we're going to tackle um, white identity politics. So I've already set the shows up. You know, you can go and set your reminders, but white identity politics. And so what's happening here is, you know, they're getting white people riled up. They're out here buying guns and record numbers and, oh, wait, you know, um, I just say, you know, be conscious of what's happening around you. And so mm-hmm. it, it's, it's really interesting because I touched on briefly on the show that I recorded, part two, that, you know, about the Oath Keepers down in Ferguson and how they had one group break off from them. And it's just it's a big mess that's happening. Um, and white people are scared silly. Let's just be honest. It's, they're afraid. And in some cases, the ones that aren't afraid, which is basically the, you know, political elite, you know, basically they want, you know, the people that they have, you know, pulled into the white circle, they're ethnic whites, you know, their job is to keep black and brown people and red people in our places. You know, so it's interesting because we've talked about social contracts and how some of the people that you see out here protesting, particularly the Tea Partiers and, and some branches of the Libertarians, talking about we want our country back. You also hear them talking about jobs for white men. So if you go all the way back and you read some of the history, you'll see how a lot of this ties in and how the rhetoric is the same. And there are patterns. And this falls into that pattern. So this is why we're telling people to be careful. We have to be very careful with some of the language that's being put out here. But unfortunately, you know, what's happening now with Black Lives Matter is, you know, the black community, you know, not only that movement, but the black community in and of itself is being gaslighted. You know, and... Go ahead, you know, and we we have to do that. And and the thing is, is that a lot of white people know that this is happening. You know, you have black conservatives out here 
who, you know, out here fueling that gaslight and, you know, talking about the rule of law, and then they try to talk about black-on-black crime. And that's not just the black conservatives. White conservatives are saying the same thing. And we've done shows on this. If you go back into our archives, you'll see a show specifically called White-on-White Crime. And when did we do this? It's been over a year that we did that show, about a year and a half ago, I believe. it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while, Yeah, we may revive this. But, um, you know, this is my whole thing. You know, guys, don't let them do it. you got to start speaking up. You have to start speaking for those that don't care about social justice. Well, we don't expect you to speak up about anything of importance. So um, this here, this here, I mean, it's just, yeah, you know, you all, you have to stop this. You're going to have to start checking people. You know, and this is the thing, you know, you know, people, some of these white people out here that are being offended, you know, their feelings are hurt because, you know, we're not saying white lives matter. That's not the case. I posted an article last week talking about how a young white man was killed by a police officer. He was a victim of state violence. And in that particular article, it was an NPR um, article story. And basically they were talking about how there wasn't, you know, um, you know, a real groundswell, you know, rallying behind them to speak about this young white man's life. But you have black and brown activists out there, you know, protesting with some of the white activists. It's just they didn't get a big crowd. And so this is what some of the problem is because, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is that sometimes you'll ha- we'll have some of these white people come in on our say on our threads. Well, what about the poor whites that are being killed about the po- by the police? Yeah, they matter too. You know, but see, one of the problems is is that you know, even if we went out there protesting for these people, for you know, the young whites, you know, you have a lot of white people that won't go out there to protest. So I mean, you know, what I'm trying to understand is, you well, know, is is it. Okay, okay, my thing is is this. Of course those lives matter. No one's saying that they don't matter. See, this is the problem. It's like these people are acting as though, you know, us saying black lives matter is like saying that those are the only lives that matter. We're saying that they matter because y'all are acting like they don't. Because the police are acting like they don't. Because our government's acting like they don't. Because the world is, is ignoring the plight of people who look like us, even our own communities, even people in, even people right. who look like us. I mean, there are people in our family. I have to remind them, like, you know, these are your people too, you know? Right. Like, exactly. like yeah, you know, no, none of us at, our, at this particular table might be victims of the, you know, the mass incarceration, you know, industrial complex, but we have relatives that are. You know, right? We have we have we have people who live down the street who are, you know what I mean. So we should care about these things, you know. You and so think. yeah, of course those those poor those poor white people matter. No one's saying that they don't. But the but the bottom line is, is that with um with with white skin privilege comes the opportunity to get um to get justice to get people who will listen to your story, to will, who will help you, who will assist you, that you get the opportunity to put your life back together. 
you know the right. out it's 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 much easier for a white ex con to get a job than a black person with a degree right think about that think about that so no one is saying it don't matter but i'm not going to sit up here and like every time a white person dies from state violence like act like i have to pick up a sign just so that someone doesn't right. say that i'm racist that's not going right. to happen Period. Like, it's sad, it's messed up, but y'all are not the ones that are disproportionately suffering from this right now. My people are. Exactly. So maybe when we, so maybe when we fix the situation for people who look like me, we'll get back to you. But right now, we are disproportionately the victims and the targets of this type of, of, of oppression. So we have to deal with this first. Later for that. Exactly. Nobody's doing exactly. all that. I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, we already know I'm not doing it. But, you know, one of the things that I want to stress to people, because, you know, this kind of somewhat segues into the topic today, you know, I want people to think about imagery and, you know, psych- you know the psychological effects of this. And what's happening with these conservative, you know, state news stations, radio stations, you know, the stories on the Internet, is they're repeating this over and over about Black Lives Matter being a so-called hate group. And then people start, you know, you, you hear it so many times, you start believing it. Some people do. And especially people who only have conservative stations available to them, they don't know what else is going on out there. You know, a lot of this information has been suppressed because, again, we had to force them to cover Black Lives Matter and Ferguson and all of that. It got to the point where they could no longer ignore it. But, again, you know, you hear this over and over. They repeat it, and people start believing it, not only white people but some black people too. And so, you know, you get these images. They'll put these images of, you know, um, just like with the presidential campaign, you know, this is just getting to a start, but you're going to see some ads where they probably put, you know, um, people of color that have been released from jail and then, you know, another crime has been committed. Remember how they did that with Walter Mondale and, you know, a number of other candidates that have run for police, for um, president of the United States. So, you know, again, as I stated earlier, it's the same game. You know, they just repeat it over and over, and we have to remember that. So, you know, for those of you that, you know, uh, aren't really clear about what gaslighting is, go over and do some research about this. You know, because what happens is when people do this to you, and I, I know this because I've been through it, after they're done gaslighting you, at the end of the conversation, you feel like you were wrong, and you feel like you have to apologize to them for being mean, or you're out here trying to make peace and wondering, you know, to yourself what the hell happened. So go and read the story. You know, Brittany Cooper wrote an excellent article, and it breaks it down. And so, you know, again, yeah, go, 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 and look at this, because what they're trying to do is flip the script and have it so that we're like, well, things aren't really that bad, or the cops are really good guys, and see, they're getting killed too. So, I mean, this is this these are the psychological Jedi mind tricks that they, you know, play on people. Go and listen to the Jedi mind tricks. That was from like three years ago, really four years ago. Go and check that out. We have, you know, a lot of our, we, we talk about these issues, 
And, you know, we're not done talking about it. We get tired of talking about the same things. But, you know, we've moved on. But a lot of these things, you know, kind of overlap. So we have no choice but to kind of go over things. And then also we have new listeners. But, yeah, no, go, 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 go. Understand what's happening to you. Understand what they're doing. And then also one other thing, you have to make sure that they they put these issues in context. Because they like to, you know, um, <laughs> you know, there's it, a lot of games that they play. So, again, go and look that up and, um, you know, get a better understanding of what's happening here. So, you know, um, it's just, it's a shame. It's a shame, you know, what we have to do and what we have to go through and how America, especially the conservatives, you know, are basically trying to paint us into a corner. And, you know, a lot of religious people, they've been taught to stay out of situations like this, not to give a critique, not to necessarily participate. And if you look at your, you know, your local churches as well as some of these large mega churches, you know, they're not talking about Black Lives Matter. They are completely ignoring you know, what's happening and what they're telling people, and you've seen this over and over in the past, whereas they rush the parents of children that have been killed by state violence, and, in, in, you know, even in South Carolina, you know, with that, you know, white domestic terrorist assassin, um, you know, they rush the family to the microphone to talk about forgiveness. Right. And... Yeah, and, and this is crap. And so it was an article written by Chauncey DeVega, and it was talking about how black America owes no forgiveness, how Christianity hinders racial justice. And it was a very, very good article. He wrote it last Sunday, and I posted it on my wall this week, but, you know, it's talking about that specifically. So you go out, you read that, you'll get a better understanding why we're just pretty much giving them the middle finger like, no, nah, fuck that. I'm not forgiving shit. You know, I don't have mm-hmm. to. Because they'll use Christianity to guilt you. And, and, and it's just interesting because you have black people on television saying, I forgive you. But then you have white parents on television saying, we want justice. Right. How does this work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you all got to pay attention. You got to pay attention. And so, because, you know, white folks be wanting revenge. You know, so, um, yeah, and, you know, what's unfortunate about all of that is, you know, when black people, you know, whether they're religious or in a secular community, it seems as though when we express our anger and lack of forgiveness because of bullshit, you know, and, you know, we get fired upon. You know, it's like a mob mentality. you got a bunch of people wanting to jump on you and try to force you into submission. Or you'll get the label of an angry black person. We have a right to be able to be angry. You know, some righteous anger, passion. What the hell? We're just supposed to sit there and, and not like we're fucking bobbleheads? Yep. You know, and, you know, it's just it's amazing because, I mean, I know what I was taught when I was in church about forgiveness and just letting it go and moving on and, you know, you know, sweeping it under the rug. But you see the same crap on the other side of the equation. 
over here in the secular community, I'm not going to get into it, but it's bullshit. And people have a right to be angry when they're angry. So, you know, this crap about forgiveness and all of that, you know, no. Mm-mm. No, we've been through too much. We've taken on far too much bullshit. You know, we've been scapegoated. Everything is blamed on us. When the white people get angry and want to go out there in mobs and kill black people, some kind of way it's going to be black people's fault because, you know, um, if we hadn't been out there complaining, you know, the white people wouldn't have felt angry and mad. I mean, just you brought it on yourself. Yep. And I think that's bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit. So saying that, you know, this Donald Trump thing, this is, you know, out of control. He's saying that he wants to force the Mexican government to give us the money or to build the wall. And now he's saying he wants to build the wall by Canada to keep, you know, and I'm sitting here. And I'm like, are they going to totally wall off the United States? And I'm like, I'm not sure if they're trying to keep, you know, immigrants out of this country or they're trying to make it so that we can't leave this place. So I don't know what to think or to believe anymore. You know, Ray, do you think they're trying to keep us in or trying to keep other folks out? Especially because this is a country, it's like this. American history is immigrant history. This is a country of immigrants. And I don't understand why these people don't understand or realize that. But, I mean, Raina, why do you think they're trying to be? I mean, it's, it's just hateful rhetoric. None of this is ever going to happen. Obviously, to keep the immigrants, obviously to keep the immigrants out. Um, you know, they're, you know, despite the fact that, um, you know, that, you know, we say that, you know, this is a country of immigrants or whatever. Um, white people feel entitled. They feel like this is theirs and, that we just sort of, you know, they allow us to live here, you know, that we're here at their pleasure. Right. <laughs> you know, not all white people, but just, you know, a lot a lot of white people, just be honest about it, you know. Right. Um, right. You know, they because when they're saying, you know, um, you know, they shouldn't come to our country unless they can speak our language or, you know, um, if they don't like it here, they can go home. You know, they don't, they're not remembering the fact that, um, you know, they stole this land was stolen. It was stolen and, right. and seized, and they, you know, uh, the, you know, the people who came here weren't all, you know, uh, these good, well-meaning white people. They were people who murdered Native Americans on purpose. Right. In many cases, you know, like like purposefully murdered them. Not like you know, oh, I just came here and like they got a disease from me or whatever. Like we're talking right. like actually murdered, stole from them, ignored treaties that they that mm-hmm. they formed with the natives here, you know. So mm-hmm. I mean and, and and they're still taking things from them. You know? Um exactly. you can just look at what's going on in um you know, on a lot of reservations now, you know, you've got problems with pollution. Um in some places right. they wanna try to open up tribal lands for, um, you know, for development of oil resources or other fracking. mineral resources, fracking, mm-hmm. all of these sorts of things. And, um, you know, what ends up happening is is that um, the waste uh, products and, 
and what have you, they actually end up destroying, you know, vital resources like water and, and the land itself. You know, people can't grow their food, you know. And, um, you know, it's it becomes a a, a really um, big problem. But, um, yeah. But, yeah, and then they want to call Native Americans to, you know, want to fight against this, uh, you know, the degradation of their land and all of this. They want to call them terrorists. You know? Right. So. Exactly. Exactly. And it's horrible. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Ray. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, no, no. That's, I mean, that was pretty much the end of my point. I didn't have anything further to say oh. at that point. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> There you go. There you go. And I'm going to define imagery for people because we're going to be talking about it for a little bit here. And so imagery is a flow of thoughts you can see, hear, feel, smell, or taste. And, you know, imagery is a natural yet special way of thinking that involves our senses. Images are thoughts you can see, hear, smell, taste, or feel and include memories, dreams, and daydreams, plans and visions, and fantasies. Imagery is a type of thinking that has particularly strong effects on our emotions. Imagine the face of someone you love and notice the feelings that come with the image. In our physiology, close your eyes and imagine sucking on a really sour lemon. And so um, you have guided imagery, which describes the process where you are asked to focus on images selected to help you achieve certain goals. Common applications include relaxation, relieving pain, and other physical symptoms, reducing distress with surgery and other medical procedures, increasing creativity, enhancing confidence, stimulating healing responses in the body, and enhancing memory and learning. And so you can go out and 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 see, you know, read some information about imagery. But I wanted to put that out there because, you know, what we're seeing with Donald Trump and what's happening out here, it is not by accident. It's not by accident that you see him, his jet, flying around right before and landing right before he's to give a speech or he's in his helicopter and he's landing you know, right before he was supposed to speak at a rally. And in the escalator thing, you know, him being, you know, on the escalator and descending down to the crowd, you know, before Mm -hmm. he speaks, that is being done on purpose. And we need you guys to understand, you know, because, you know, Donald Trump sees himself as a king, you understand, but also with that imagery there, you know, they're playing on some of the imagery because, you know, when I think about it, I'm like, you know, you know, from what I learned in church, you know, it's about Jesus is going to descend down and help those that are Christians and fight that good fight. And, you know, some of the things that Donald Trump, I mean, this man is absolutely, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's good at what he does. That's why he's been in the media. I mean, everybody else falls off. Donald Trump won't go nowhere. So, you know, um, he came on the scenes in the mid-'70s, and he's still going strong to this day. But it's about the imagery. And, I mean, for those of you, you know, if you go and, you know, you look at some of this information, I mean, L. Ron Hubbard even said, you know, writing for a penny a word is ridiculous. If a man really wanted to make millions of dollars, the best way would be to start his own religion. 
And we're seeing some of that because remember um, Glenn Beck that was on Fox News? So now he calls himself, you know, he has his own little church there. And they went out and did an All Lives Matter walk in Alabama. And they had about Mm. 20,000 people that showed up. But, you know, him and some of the black preachers and white preachers that he recruited, you know, they're leading the way. You know, they're taking this country back. And I'm like, again, you have to be aware of the imagery that they have out there. And it's important. And one of the things that, you know, um, you, you all have to pay attention is, you know, the subtle subconscious messages that they're putting out here. You know, and and they're trying to basically turn everything into a religion or into a movement. And it's it's just interesting because um, Donald Trump will be meeting with, again, you know, 30 televangelists, you know, leading preachers. And he was invited by Paula White. And him and Paula White are really good friends. He's been on her show a number of times. So this has been done on purpose. But, you know, again, that's why I called it the prosperity gospel of Donald Trump, because I need for you all to pay attention to the direction that this is going in. And Donald Trump already has worked with um, the religious right. He's trying to get a better inside role and a better, um, he's trying to get more support from religious right as well as these evangelicals. And so, you know, I mm-hmm. still call that into questions with their 501c3s. And, you know, them palling around with people like Donald Trump. So, I mean, you know, it's like this. You, you know, he sees faith the way he sees all of his other, you know, business endeavors. And it's just a way to get to a bigger audience and promise them, you know, that, you know, things are going to get better, you know, um, selling them false hope. And 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 it's just amazing because, I hope I'm not the only one saying this because, you know, they're making these people all of these promises that he knows he won't be able to keep, you know, and and some of the tactics that he's trying to use and and state that he will use on, you know, let's say the immigrants, you know, it takes you all the way back to the Depression era and the promises. And I post that on my wall too. Read that article. It's a very good article. And, you know, with these religious people, you know, again, when they have five, ten, twenty plus thousand members, you know, they have some influence. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, President Obama didn't get rid of the faith based initiatives. He said that he would. Until, you know, the black preachers told him, I don't think so. And so it mm-hmm. didn't go away. But let me tell you how some of this works here. Um, you know, with with these people, you know, the televangelists and with Donald Trump and how he's, you know, tethering himself to that. This is nothing but public relations. And for those of you that have been around, you should know the name Sheila Witham, W-I-T-H-U-M. And Witham and Company is a public relations company that these televangelists use to increase their audience, to increase their presence to, you know, help them get time on on television, on these cable programs. You know, they help them produce these broadcasts, these podcasts, a number of things. So go out and read and find out who, you know, 
um, Sheila Wisdom is and and find out about Wisdom and Company and and how this particular person in this you know consulting company PR you know expert go out and read and find out how this works and you know again you know one other thing you know like I said these you know these preachers are not stupid not even a little bit and so let me tell you how these they do these things and. You know, and it's not even that. You can see this over here in, in in the secular community. But let me tell you, you know, how some of this work at the, works at the top level. Because it's nothing but a damn Ponzi scheme. It's a pyramid scheme. You know, the people that are at the top, what they do, you know, is they protect themselves from any type of financial problems and, and, and lawsuits to a certain degree of their organizations or their ministries. And what they do is when, you know, the homes that you see, you know, the yachts, you know, the cars and, you know, the things that they've done for relatives, you know, whether it's purchased some property or what have you, they put all of that into an irrevocable trust. Okay? They put it in an irrevocable, irrevocable trust. But, Lord, all right, irrevocable trust. And what that does, it shields that property. It shields that money. It shields those investments so that if everything goes down in flames, they'll still have some of their toys. And this is why we talk about the business aspect of it, you know. Um, So, yeah, you know, Donald Trump right there, it's it's just, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, how he's forming this relationship with these televangelists. Because they're nothing but salespeople, and he he speaks their language. So you know, I'm just telling you guys to pay attention to what's happening. How you know he's going to capitalize on what's happening, and you know the same thing with him and these other people. They're selling a brand. They're selling their name. They're selling images and lifestyles. They're selling the desire to be wealthy. You know, they're selling the desire that some people have to have other people falling at their feet just to be near them. You know, they're selling the desire that some people have that want to be, you know, sexy and appealing and in some cases young and and, and have men and women available to fulfill their every need. It's just interesting, but, again, that's imagery. You know, it's a dream that, you know, these people are selling. And Donald Trump, you know, is a master of that. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see how this is going to work itself out. Um, the latter part of this week, Donald Trump uh, basically signed that agreement with the um, Republican National Committee chair stating that he would not uh, run as an independent party should he lose, you know, the Republican nomination. And, you know, it was an agreement, but it's not legally binding. But what happened was is that he got Donald Trump more publicity, which is just the win-win for him, you know. And so, you know, you saw the image with him descending, you know, on an escalator down to the people. And so I, I just want you guys to pay attention to that. It's really important for you to <laughs> to understand, you know, what's happening. And if you look at what's happening, some of the people when they, they're at those rallies for Donald Trump, you know, they're falling all over each other to touch his hand, to shake his hand, to get him to sign his book, and they're carrying his book around, the art of the deal, like it's the Bible. 
I mean, do you see what's happening here right now? I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't necessarily see it completely the same way that you see it in terms of him being a religious figure, but I definitely do see that there's a um, there's a lot of wor- uh, you know Trump worship going on right now, you know, but and I, I think where a lot of it stems. Uh-huh. I, saying, a I think a lot of I think a lot a lot of it stems from the fact that um that you know Trump is basically uh you know he's he's using dog whistle politics and what have you to you know address you know many of the concerns that white people have in this country um about you know how how things are changing and how um you know even though they represent the, they still represent the majority of this country um in terms of numbers and in power, um, that right. some of them are concerned that this country is looking less and less like them, you know. So exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I don't see Donald and Trump that their privilege, as, and that their privilege is being compromised. You know, exactly. So. Goes back to that social contract that you know I was talking about. But no, Donald Trump, I don't see him as a religious figure. What I'm saying is that he's trying to put that image in people's heads. Um, subconsciously, you know, but that's just me, you know, I may be reaching, but, you know, none of this is by accident what they're doing, but, um, yeah, you know, he, he comes across as a larger than life type of figure, you know, he comes across, he has that don't mess with me type of demeanor, so, you know, um, yeah, you know, it's just, it's, it's interesting. Is very interesting, um, and I believe that you know the type of image and attitude that he's selling people is, you know, basically this is how life is supposed to be, and that's why I made that um, wrote on the for the show description. You know, I was talking about in the the American public and how too many people in the American public believe that they are millionaires and billionaires who have been temporarily inconvenienced by poverty and work. And this is just interesting because they're playing on people's desires. They're playing on people's hopelessness and desperation in some cases. And it's wrong. It's wrong. And so basically I'm just looking at it because, you know, now that he's getting ready to tie himself in a more public way to these people, what is what is going to happen? You know, we already have the issue of us versus them. So, you know, I'm trying to see how they're going to make it even more, you know, even more, um, you know, uh, viable. Even It's it's just it's crazy. But, yeah, 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 yeah. And Donald Trump and the things that he's saying, you know, this should be a reminder to us that we do not live in a colorblind, post-racial America. Nowhere near it. You know, Donald Trump has white supremacists backing him. David Duke endorsed him. Mm-hmm. What is that saying to you guys? You know, and that's why I said I've stopped laughing at this because, you know, this is really serious. And that's one of the reasons why the next three shows are talking about white identity politics is because Donald Trump is a glaring example of it. 
And so, you know, it's important because you all need to see what's happening. And, you know, when he has people like David Duke and other white nationalist racist organizations supporting Donald Trump openly, and he hasn't, you know, told them or said to the press that he doesn't want their endorsement, that's speaking volumes. You know, there was an article talking about how when Donald Trump goes to his casinos, how when they know he's coming, they they basically take all the black employees and put them somewhere where Donald can't see them. Mm. What is that saying to you guys? You know, and I'm going to read here, you know, Donald Trump, I'm sorry, David Duke was praising Donald Trump and calling him, you know, a good salesman the best of the lot, you know, and he says here directly, and I'm quoting David Duke, I praise the fact that he's come out on the immigration issue. I'm beginning to get the idea that he's a good salesman, that he's an entrepreneur, and he has a good sense of what people want to hear, what they want to buy, Duke said. He has really said some incredible What did I say? Entrepreneur. Oh, damn. All right. It's, it's going to okay. be one of those days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, you know, so, yeah, he has said some really incredibly great things recently. So whatever his motivation, I don't give a damn. I really like the fact that he's speaking out on this greatest immediate threat to the American people. He's really going all out. He's saying what no other Republicans have said, few conservatives say. And he's also gone to a point where he says it's not just illegal immigrants, it's legal immigration. So, I mean, you know, this guy is out here praising Donald Trump. So what does that say? Right. And this is the thing, like, you know, Donald Trump is, you know, is one of the Republicans who has come out against the 14th Amendment. He wants to do away with birthright citizenship, which is really, really scary. Um, Because let's just be real about it. When he's telling people he's against birthright citizenship, he doesn't, he's not telling the people who attend his rallies that he's going to make all of them, you know, take a citizenship test or something along those lines. Because that's not what he means. What he means is, is that people of color, whether they were born in this country or not, are going to have to going to have to get citizenship by some other mechanism. He's not talking about white Americans. White Americans are right. going to be fine. So he uh-huh. basically is, is is trying to take away the the right that that black people initially got in this country after slavery to be to be uh protected to uh, be afforded the same protection under the law um you know we all know that that doesn't really work out too well in reality but theoretically we're supposed to have equal protection under the law and Donald Trump and these others they want to get rid of that protection and that should scare you right exactly and see what, you know, Donald Trump is doing, and not even trying, but Donald Trump and some of these conservatives, what they're doing is they're mainstreaming white identity politics. 
Mm-hmm. You need to be concerned about that. Not that they that not that they have to mainstream them. They're already out there, but I mean those they're already mainstream, but they're yeah. they're you know they're they're deliberately using these notions to get supporters. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's amazing that in this race, it's, it's amazing that in this race that we should be looking at, at, at Jeb Bush and rooting for Jeb Bush out of this right. entire lot of, of Republicans. I never thought I would see the day where I would actually be rooting for Jeb Bush, but, you know. Okay. And I don't think any of us would have ever thought, you know, when you have Walker out of Wisconsin and Ted Cruz and Rick Perry and all of them. I mean, Trump makes them look like, you know, choir boys. And so I'm just sitting here and I'm like, you know, what's happening? You know, now there are some aspects to what Donald Trump is out here doing deliberately that I can see that it's a marketing technique. However, that's not how the general public sees it. They see it as him, you know, uh, telling the truth and, you know, shooting from the hip and saying what everybody else is afraid to say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, tell them yeah. like it is. I think that's what most people Actually, say. you know what, that's a really, um, there's a really, really, uh, I have to find the podcast. Um, but I listen to it. I think it's a, um, a local D.C. podcast uh, that talks about, like, politics and, and and just interesting sort of stories about politics. Not not like what are the candidates' positions per se, but like, you know, did you know type of stuff, you know? So they did a show about uh, telling it like it is. And so um, they were talking about where the, where the phrase originated and how it became, um, you know, a political tool, right? And so they were talking about how it actually came from, you know, 1970s jive talk, you know, um, you know, where like, you know, young, young black people or people of color would say, you know, um, I'm going to give it to you like it is, you know, I'm going to tell the truth. Um, and how, how it especially has been taken over by um, members of the right wing, right, um, to, you know, to try to shore up, you know, their audiences by making it seem like they're the tough ones, like they're the ones right. that are going to tell you the truth. It's just, it's really right. interesting. Um, I'll see if I can find it, and um, if I do, I'll put it on your wall. But it was a really good episode, so sorry. Oh, no, 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 that's good. That's good because, I mean, you know, we need people to pay attention to what's happening. And and this is the thing. In this country, you know, the white majority is shrinking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one day in the foreseeable future, you know, they're going to be the minority. So, you know, there's a lot of fear behind that. And, you know, with the black community, you know, we've always felt insecure in, in regards to our rights um, in this country. And when you have people like Trump and Cruz and, you know, people like that, it's just, it, it, it makes for uncomfortability. Because, you know, they make me extremely uncomfortable. And the fact that, you know, they're pulling out these crowds of 10, 20, 30,000 people, you know, again, that All Lives Matter movement that happened in Alabama, and I'm sitting there, 
And, you know, all I can think about is the backroom deals. What are they promising, you know, some of these, you know, community activists and preachers and pastors that are endorsing um, these conservatives? And they may not be promising them anything. You never know. But what I'm saying is, is that, you know, what we're seeing well, right now. They are promising them something. They are. Oh, yeah, I know. There's an implied yeah, promise, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 but I just don't know what. So I was just trying to give myself a little out there. But, yeah, no, we know they've been promised something. You know, that's a given. No, what they're being promised is is that they're going to get their country back, that they're, you know, the things are going to, um, the things are going to change and that, you know, black people are going to know their place or brown people are going to know their place and, you know, their communities will be safe and that they'll have jobs and all of that, that they'll be tough on, you know, uh, brown people, you know, in the Middle East. You know what I mean? These are the things they right. want promises for. Yeah, no, that, you know, that's a given for the white people. No, I'm talking about the black preachers mm-hmm. and black activists oh. that are out marching with them. That's who I'm talking about when I say I don't mm-hmm. know what they've been promised, if anything, okay. you know, because when we talk about when they have civil well, rights some of them, movement. Some of them it's just the, to be associated with power is all they, all they need. You know, whether or not they're actually given power, they just want to be, they want to be associated with power. They want to be on the winning team. Right. And it makes them look larger than life yet again to their congregants. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. so, you know, that's why we're talking about. It's just like those, um, it's just like in Mississippi, right? Like um, there's a, there's a, um, a documentary called Spies in Mississippi. And um, mm-hmm. in Spies in Mississippi, they talk about how, um, you know, they had paid informants on uh, the civil rights movement, right, in Mississippi. But mm-hmm. they also had a number of unpaid informants. And some of these people, you know, they were usually ministers or people who had, like, some kind of position of prestige within the black community. But they were afraid of what integration could do to that power, right, because there would be mm-hmm. more than one of them that could carry that kind of prestige, right? So uh-huh. in order to shore up their power, in order to shore up um, the fact that they would be the only ones or that they could maintain a certain position in their communities, they decided to, you know, quote, unquote, side with who they thought would be the winning team, you know? Uh-huh. So it wasn't right. that they were promised anything outright. You know, they weren't going to be given anything they weren't going to get a check, you know, but right. they they could make sure that they were the, you know, if there were going to be scraps, if they were going to be in a position where they had to wait for scraps to fall from the table, they'd be in the front of the line, you know? Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Yeah. And that's you all know, that some people need. Some people only want to be, they want to be associated with power. They want sort of the indirect privilege that comes from, um, you know, from, from siding with, you know, uh, white power, you know? Exactly, exactly. And that goes back to something that we've said, that, you know, you have some people of color that do not necessarily want to deconstruct or dismantle white supremacy. They want a seat at the table or a better seat at the table. Mm -hmm. And so it's just interesting. But, you know, we'll be tackling a lot of that in the next three shows. You know, but well, you know what honey, I'm looking at. I have to get ready to go. 
but I thank you for having me, as usual. <laughs> very good, very good, and thank you for being a part of the show today. We appreciate you. You know, um, yeah, so let's enjoy your day, okay? And I'll see you next week. <laughs> next week? Okay. <laughs> all right. Take care, Ray. Well, you know, we'll talk before then, but you know what I mean. I'll see all of you next week. All right. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk after the show. <laughs> all right. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, what's interesting with, you know, the Donald Trump thing is, and what makes it so frightening is because, you know, it reeks of convenient racism. And, you know, what I mean by that is, you know, you have some people that believe that America was great before ethnic and racial minorities, women, sexual minorities. You know, it's it's like, yeah, they think everything was great before all of these people, you know, and (laughs) you got to go back and you got to look and you see, you know, this is what a lot of people, when they talk about political correctness, you know, basically they're saying that, you know, people are afraid to say these things. You know, they'll have people saying racism is wrong and I'm not a racist, but, you know, and then they'll say something deeply racist or, you know, again, those microaggressions that, you know, we've talked about and you'll hear them say all lives matter. And you all have heard me, you know, on my wall, I had this one guy who just, you know, with the Black Lives Matter and all of this happening now, it's really telling, you know, it's exposing some of these, you know, racists, you know, in many communities, it's exposing them, bringing them out. And this guy actually came on my wall and said, fuck your ethnocentric bullshit, all lives matter. Yeah, that's better. All lives. And that's why we're sitting and I look at this stuff. And this is why with some of the community here, um, the secular community, I don't take them serious anymore. Some of the people that I used to take seriously, not anymore. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's it's it's. <laughs> It's shocking in in many cases. It's extremely disheartening in others. And, you know, because, you know, a lot of the people in the secular community are selling the false notion that we're a little bit more enlightened over here and we know better. And if we're more enlightened and we know better, then why are we still having to deal with issues such as this? So I just think it's important that you guys pay attention because, you know, you see this All Lives Matter so-called movement starting to gain some steam. And it's just, it's, it's wild. And it's just when you, when you look at it and you look at the totality of the situation, you know, basically we, when I hear, I can't say you, but when I hear All Lives Matter, again, All Lives Matter, to me it equals white supremacy. Because, you know, the footing is not the same. It's not a level playing field. But you have these people out here yet again trying to devalue and drown out the cries of black lives and black people. 
you know. And so, yeah, just go. I want you guys to go out there and read what's happening and just listen to what they're saying. You know, you have Donald Trump out here saying that illegal immigrants are killers and rapists. And this is the same type of rhetoric that they've used about black people. You know, and you'll hear the same things. And, you know, I've heard some religious people say, you know, make, you know, these types of allegations, you know, um, with other groups. And so, you know, it's just, it's the same rhetoric, it's the same language just being applied to different people. So, you know, again, I want you guys to go and look at it, pay attention, and, and you know, you'll hear them saying we have, you know, we have to do something about it. And it was interesting is when Donald Trump was giving his speech, well, at one of his rallies, um, in Alabama, one in Alabama specifically, there were people in the crowd chanting white power. So, I mean... We just want you guys go out, pay attention. You know, this is no longer funny. You should be sitting there absolutely horrified because, you know, I mean, at least it's being brought to the table and white people won't be able to say, well, no, that doesn't happen. That's not true. That was going on then. It's not happening now. No, it's happening now. And so it's just, um, it's amazing. And so, I, you know, just go out and pay attention, do some reading. And some of the same things that you hear Donald Trump saying, you'll hear, you know, some of these Klan members and leaders saying the same thing. And what it does is get people whipped into a frenzy. And, you know, and it encourages people to go out and do something, you know, like the two gentlemen that went out and, and Donald Trump turned around and said, well, some people are passionate. So, I mean, we can't overlook this anymore. We have to take this serious. We have to take this serious. And what's interesting is when I hear Donald Trump saying all these illegals need to be deported, He's primarily talking about, you know, Mexicans and Latin Americans. You know, I wonder if he's talking about, you know, the people that are in this country that are immigrants from Poland, Ireland, you know, England, these European immigrants. Is he talking about them too? And we're going to be talking about that during the three-part series on white identity politics. And we're going to talk about how European immigrants became white. They're ethnic white. And the reasoning behind that, I mean, we've spoken a little bit about it, but we're really going to get in depth about it. And I believe that's part two, whiteness. You know, I'm not looking at um, the episodes for next for the next three weeks, but I think it's the second episode. But, yeah, it's important, guys. You know, you go and look at this because this is no laughing matter anymore. You know, they're selling fear and, you know, the politics of fear. And we want you to go out, look around, pay attention, 
see what's happening and listen to what they're saying. But most important, listen to what they're not saying, you know, and we just need to go and see because, I mean, you know, they're selling fear, you know, they're they're whipping these white people into a frenzy, and, you know, how some of these people out here behaving in ruthless manners. And so, yeah, it's, it's just interesting because when they talk about, you know, um, our history and how America was allegedly um, built on Christian principles, and, you know, they want to go back to, you know, the founding fathers, you know, and, and what they had to say and how they felt, you know. And, you know, if you go back and you look through the history, you know, many of these so-called founding fathers, they were bigots. They were arrogant and sexist, you know, and wealthy. And it's just interesting, you know, when, when you think about it, it's, it's a mirror reflection of Donald Trump. So, again, um, yeah, you know, he's kind of returning the narrative back to white supremacy and what, you know, what um, factors um, that make up white supremacy. And so, wow, it's just interesting. You know, um, I spoke earlier about how David Duke endorsed Donald Trump. David Duke left America when President Obama was elected, and he's been kicked out of other countries because of his rhetoric. So that right there should tell you something. And, you know, with white identity politics, we're going to talk about capitalism. We're going to talk about how capitalism is fueled by, you know, anti-blackness and, you know, how it's global. And that's why you have people of color, you know, protesting all over the world. And it's just, yeah, you know, it's turning into a hostile environment in this country. And it's just a matter of time before it blows. And, guys, like I said, go out, do your research. You know, I'm not going to spoon feed everything, but you need to go out, go on out and see. Because the Republican, you know, Republican Party, you know, they were distancing themselves from some people because donations were made to them from hate groups. You know, when Earl Holt of uh, the Council of Conservative Citizens made a donation to the Republican Party, they returned the donations and disassociated themselves. So, again, <laughs> pay attention. And for those that don't know who Earl Holt is, he was linked to Dylan Roof, the, the white supremacist assassin that killed those innocent people in Charleston. So go and, you know, read about what's happening and see, you know, pay attention to the voter base. It's important that you do that and you understand what Donald Trump is saying because it's not subtle. He's in your face. And, you know, I mean, I'm still trying to understand he has some black supporters and some Latino supporters. And it's just interesting. And, you know, what I don't understand is how these voters are taking Donald Trump seriously. But, you know, at one point I was hoping that he was a troll, but not so much. And that's what makes this very dangerous. Because he's out here, he's saying this in public, which I appreciate, 
I do appreciate in you know an overt racist as opposed to someone who you know a racist behind closed doors or a racist when you turn your back. But you know you got this guy out here selling this fear, you know, and all this fear mongering, you know, is being used to stir up patriotism and loyalty amongst you know people in this country. And if you go back into history, you'll see how that happened with McCarthyism. And that's how we got in God we trust on the money and how under God was added to the Pledge of Allegiance because that wasn't always there. And so what's happening now is, you know, even now, you know, having a child or being someone that served in the military, that is now a status symbol. So, you know, this, this patriotism. So, guys, you know, go read, find out. Um, And this is not just in the United States. This is happening all over. In Europe, you see, you know, the ultra-nationalist group Golden Dawn, you know, rising in Greece. You know, um, the Front National Party in France, you know, which is another ultra-far-right group. They're gaining, you know, momentum. And, you know, you have, you. I know I've posted information about the anti-Semitism, the white nationalist groups that are rising in Germany. And this is happening all throughout the European Union. So, you know, again, I want to make sure you all understand that this is not necessarily, necessarily an issue relegated to the United States. This is happening all over, but especially over in Europe. And so it's just, it's, you know... Yeah, go read, you know, and, and, you know, Canada, they're having some of the same issues up there as well. You know, I have to give props to the young woman that won the Miss Universe contest. She has been, you know, from the time that she won that passion, she's been talking about the mistreatment of indigenous people in Canada, you know, and, you know, I hope she incorporates the mistreatment of indigenous people in America. And, you know, with this Donald Trump surge, you know, I've posted some articles in which it has, you know, basically stated that his surge and his popularity is about less educated Americans, you know, that are out there and, you know, um, following behind him. And we need to pay attention to this. You know, we need to educate people. We need to teach them. And though sometimes it gets uncomfortable, and, you know, basically my attitude with some of this is that with some of the people that attempt to gauge, engage me on social media, you can tell that some of these people are out here just to pick a fight. And I generally do not engage in that, you know, in that type of activity which is why sometimes, you know, when I see it, I won't even say anything. I just move on. But, you know, what's happening here, um, just pay attention, because I remember uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote an article about Donald Trump, and basically Donald Trump responded, you know, (laughs) in, in, in a very Donald Trump way. And, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote a follow-up piece after that. And, you know, if you look at some of the things that Donald Trump 
is out here doing. You know, and one of the reasons why he's being called a sexist is because of what he said about Rosie O'Donnell and Megyn Kelly. And then we saw what happened with um, the Latino um, reporter and what happened with another conservative reporter. And even though some of these people are conservatives, you know, Donald Trump feels that they're giving him gotcha questions and and being unfair to him. And so that's why I say Donald Trump, you know, what we're seeing is, you know, white supremacy in action. For those that don't believe that there's any such thing as white supremacy, just continue to watch what's happening with the Donald until he withdraws. And he's going to withdraw because he's getting the publicity that he wants. He's going to withdraw and, you know, let's see the Republican Party scramble to, <laughs> to you know, uh, basically patch up all the holes that, you know, Donald Trump has made in their platform. So, yeah, the Univision reporter Jorge Ramos, you know, um, it's just interesting because, uh, you know, just the whole situation. You know, Donald Trump is an equal opportunity, you know, slanderer, I guess. You know, it's just interesting. But, yeah, I think that's somebody that we need to pay attention to and pay attention to what he's saying out here. And most importantly, look at, you know, the people that are rallying behind him. You know, follow the money. You always hear me say, follow the money. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. So, again, like I said, they're selling this image. They're selling this brand. You know, unfortunately, you know, in this country, the brand is, you know, white men being the savior, you know, saving everybody and, you know, making it right. You know, I've seen a number of white people make comments to people of color saying that you people don't know what's good for you, you don't know what's right for you. We do. So this is what we're going to do, and we don't care if you don't want it that way. And basically, you know, what's happening now is when you have, you know, some of these people out here saying all lives matter, they're trying to silence, you know, out those of us that are saying black lives matter. So basically what you're seeing them do is put their hands over our mouths to silence us from speaking because many of them feel like they can they can speak our pain, tell our stories better than we can. And we can't allow that to happen. We cannot allow that to continue. And so, you know, we have to get out here. We have to start charging and challenging these people and and basically not allowing them to do that and that's one of the reasons why, you know, I know I've been appealing to people to support, you know, some of these grassroots movements that are out here. Because when you have people like Donald Trump and, again, Walker and Cruz and Terry, and they get out here and the news media, you know, continues to, you know, cycle these stories over and over and over and, you know, in essence, drowning out some of the complaints that we have, you know, that's dangerous. And then you have these same conservative newscasters and these politicians twisting our words and twisting the meaning of what we're out here trying to do. 
So, again, it's, it's just I need for you guys, we have to stop laughing about this. I mean, some of this stuff is so ridiculous, you can't help but laugh. But we need to start challenging these people. You know, because for Donald Trump to believe that he can just come out here and start, you know, calling people losers or pigs and bimbos and, you know, and all of these names, that's that's not good. It's not right. And they need to be challenged. You know, and a lot of people are afraid of Donald Trump, especially the Republican Party, because, you know, Donald Trump has, you know, put together a nice, um, a nice, um, how can I put it, um, a nice amount of followers. Uh, you know, he has a following. He has, you know, people out here celebrating and dancing to his name in the middle of the street. And he just gets out here. He's, you know, even more arrogant to criticism. And there's a disconnect because he doesn't care about the feelings of the people that are being hurt. It's all about him, what he wants, and what he feels that his, you know, his base or his constituents feel or what they may want. So, um, you know, he's not going to make it all the way to um, to the nomination process. He's going to withdraw, you know, and but he's achieved his goal. Because when the Republican National Party, they kind of, you know, genuflected to him and, you know, kissed his ring. You know, I'm always talking about that. But we need to pay attention, you know, for those of you out there that are not registered to vote. You need to register to vote, and then you need to go vote. Not only during the, you know, presidential election, but especially the midterms. And you need to know who's running for what office, you know, in your state, in your city or your township or your village, you need to pay attention. You know, and Donald Trump, when he was talking about Black Lives Matter, he says we have to give power back to the police. What is that saying to you? What is that saying to you? So, um, you know, and, and he's calling this movement a massive crisis. You know, and, you know, it's it's just wild. And because they're still throwing out that narrative that black people are, you know, criminal, that, you know, we're our own worst enemy. And, um, you know, he did say something to the fact of horrible mistakes, you know, about, you know, black Americans being killed by state violence. You know, personally, I don't believe that these are mistakes. And many of us do not see this, you know, see these incidents as mistakes. So, again, we have to take control of the narrative. We have to be more vocal. Uh, We have to start, you know, putting these stories on the forefront, you know, because, you know, some of the support for BLM has started to wane. But, no, we can't allow that to happen. We have to keep pushing on, and, yes, this is hard, and that's why I say you have to support the protesters that are out there. Even if you can't go and march yourself for whatever reason, you know, there are ways that you can support. You can just put the information online, and other people may see it. You know, white people are white allies, and, you know, are Asian and Latino allies and indigenous allies. When you hear people 
especially those in your inner circle, when you hear them making racist comments, call them out on it. Call them out. We need for you to start speaking up. You know, you can you can do fundraisers and donate money to, you know, um, these different organizations. You know, you can do fundraisers and send them supplies. I mean, there are a number of ways that you can help. You know, and just because, again, we say black lives matter, we're not saying that white lives don't matter. That's not what we're saying, you know. And so, you know, it's making it hard for, you know, black community in general. I mean, there was always a suspicion and a fear of the police. But seeing what's happening now is just, you know, is enhancing that fear. And so, you know, sometimes we call the police for help. And, you know, in the case of Tanisha Anderson, you know, she was having an episode, and they picked her up and slammed her to the ground and killed her. So it gets to the point where it's like, you know, you're too afraid to call them to do anything. So, again, you know, like I said, Donald Trump is saying to give more power and more strength to the police departments. What is that saying to you? You know, and you have black conservatives and white conservatives out here talking about the rule of law. And just, again, just go look, pay attention, say something. You know, because, again, we definitely are not living in a colorblind, post-racial America. You have people throwing around, you know, a lot of these buzzwords like politically correct, you know, and, you know, we talked earlier about people who are out here saying that others are angry and they love to claim to be post-racial or colorblind. That's not true. So, you know, again, you know, I was talking about Donald Trump and <laughs> and some of his rhetoric. And, again, we had, you know, two white men that went out and beat up a homeless Latino man. They almost killed him. And so, basically, you know, you have media saying that these were lone wolves, if you will, and and that, you know, that, you know, they were just being passionate, you know, what they're doing with all of these buzzwords, all of these triggers, all of these dog whistles is they're basically telling them that it's okay to brutalize minorities. So, again, go, read, pay attention, call it out, because you should have been concerned when you had people screaming white power at the Donald Trump rally. And so, again, you know, you have black and brown, yellow and red people and poor whites that are being isolated and our voices are being silenced. And so, I mean, there's a very real reason why they're trying to destroy the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, we post things, I talk about it on the show, you know, guys, we we can't just allow this to fade away because, you know, state violence will continue. You know, you will continue to have white people feeling that they are entitled to kill black and brown and red and, you know, and poor whites. So, you know, again, go back, find out where this is coming from, do some research on white identity politics. 
you know, because we'll be talking about it. And what's happening with Donald Trump, he is a living embodiment of it. You know, he's a walking example. Just, you know, pay attention. Take a look. Take a look. And it's just, wow. Um, I just want you guys to understand what's happening. And there was an article by Rolling Stone, and it was talking about Donald Trump just stopped being funny. Go and read that. You know, and, you know, here's the quote from the article. Trump is probably too dumb to realize it, but he can do plenty of damage just by encouraging people to be as uninhibited in their stupidity as he is. Trump is is striking a chord with people who are feeling displeased in a less secure world and want to blame someone. The government, immigrants, political correctness, incompetence, dummies, Megan Kelly or whoever, they want to blame all of these people for their problems. You know, and what's interesting is, you know, I see a lot of that rhetoric in a lot of places, you know, but they want you know, all of these other people to take responsibility and be accountable for their own problems, you know, in, in their own situations. But with them, it's not their fault. It's other people. If we just got rid of all of these other people, then everything will be fine. Listen to that. Pay attention. So, again, you know, sitting here and watching him, you know, Donald Trump being considered a real candidate for the nomination for the GOP, I mean, it's a nightmare for them. It's a nightmare for us, too, because he, if he stays in, he just may win it. And so this is why, you know, we're challenging everybody, go get registered to vote. You know, again, when the Supreme Court of the United States struck down Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act, Immediately, you had places like North Carolina and Texas changing their laws. And, you know, there have been many challenges to that. Certain aspects have been, you know, um, um, voted, I mean, basically ruled against in, you know, state Supreme Courts. But, you know, you got to pay attention to what's happening. And now they're going after Section 2. So it's important for you all to be politically conscious of what's happening And while being politically conscious, understand the consequences and repercussions of what they're putting out here and what they're trying to do and how it will impact, you know, minority communities. And, you know, white women are considered a minority. White women, you need to pay attention to. Pay attention to what's happening and how this, you know, impacts your lives. You know, especially the young girl that took the case all the way to the Supreme Court because she was not admitted to the college or the university of her choice. Although her test scores were below par, she blamed it on minorities getting special treatment. And so it's obvious that she doesn't realize that affirmative action has disproportionately helped white women more than any of the other minorities. So, you know, again, it's about educating people, about people not understanding what's happening and the real impact of these actions in their world, in in these words. So, again, you know, I talked about the evangelicals and the religious right and their support of Donald Trump. You need to pay attention to that as well. 
because I know one of the things that we've talked about, and it's not just the secular community, you have people in the religious community also who do not wish for this country to become a theocracy. So pay attention. Pay attention to some of these pastors that will be encouraging their congregation to stand behind a man of God or a man that has been sent by God or the Holy Spirit is working through this man to tackle issues like abortion, same-sex marriage, and, you know, a number of other things. And, you know, what's interesting is in many of those um, congregations, many of those mega churches, the majority of the congregants are living at or below the poverty line. But yet, they're being told that, you know, they're holy millionaires and holy billionaires, and it's just a matter of time before, you know, the, the, the riches of the secular of the world will be released and given to, you know, God's children. And you hear that in a lot of their sermons with these mega pastors, these word of faith pastors, prosperity gospel pastors. You need to pay attention. And, you know, again, they have, you know, huge congregations. And, you know, when you include in the people that listen to their podcasts, that, you know, watch their telecasts, all of that, those numbers are huge. And, I mean, why do you think they're going over to Africa? You know, they're getting a lot of money over there. And so I just want you all, you know, to pay attention. And so it's just interesting. It's it's important that you guys see what's happening. Pay attention to some of these, you know, mega pastors. Pay attention to what they say about Donald Trump, especially after they have this meeting with him, because there's going to be more talking points being pushed to these pastors and other pastors and to the congregation eventually. You know, so, again, you know, you have, you know, these issues about same-sex marriage, and Donald Trump claims to be opposed to same-sex marriage, which, of course, makes these evangelicals, you know, makes them happy. And so, again, you know, the pro-choice, you know, and, you know, he... Donald Trump has even stated that, you know, he supports amending the 1964 Civil Rights Act, you know, to, you know, outlaw discrimination based on sexual orientation. And so, you know, if you go and you look at statistics, you know, nearly half of evangelicals oppose that. So pay attention, ask questions, critique. It's okay to critique, challenge and, oh, yeah, there's a difference between critiquing and defaming. Understand that. And so, um, yeah, go out here. Pay attention. Read. Get registered to vote. Go vote. Ask someone else if they're registered. Ask them if they need a ride to the polling place. You know, get a list of the polling places so that people will know where they can go to vote. You know, we have early voting in some cases. You can vote on the weekends. And so, you know, there's really no reason for people not being able to go out and vote. But, again, in some cases they've they've changed the laws, whereas they've tried to cut out the weekend voting, in some cases the early voting. Um, They've made it difficult to register to vote. It's easier to get a driver's license than it is to register to vote in some states. 
so, you know, that is, you know, worrisome. But, yeah, you know, I'm just laughing because, you know, Donald Trump, he's, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's just putting on a show. And, you know, he's appealing to some of these Christians. You know, the other day they were asking him to give his babe, his favorite Bible scripture. And he didn't give one, and he asked him if he preferred the Old Testament or the New Testament. And, you know, he, he just, you know, evaded all of those questions. So that's why you had the hashtag Trump Bible. You had that trending on Twitter. But, you know, you need to pay attention. This man is smart. He knows exactly what he's doing. You know, and not only is he scamming, you know, believers or Christians, but he's scamming the American public, you know. And so it's it's just funny. But, yeah, you know that um, religious right, you know, that is a very critical voting block. And so, you know, he knows exactly what he's doing. And, um you know, the tea partiers, they love him. They love him. So, you know, basically it's time for us to start taking this power back from these people and not allowing this to happen and, you know, paying attention because, again, you know, Donald Trump said that if the Black Lives Matter activists show up to his rally, then he will, you know, have them beat up. We saw what he did to the Latino reporter, had him escorted out, you know. And so, like I said, go and look and pay attention, and um, you'll see what will happen, you know, because they say whenever, you know, Donald Trump comes to the casino, they order all the black people off the floor. And, you know, this was reportedly what was happening in the 80s. So, you know, I'm not sure if that's still the case now, but I don't see why it would change because his viewpoints haven't changed over the years. So, like I said, be smart about it. Go out here, pay attention, see what's happening, see, you know, what he's doing and and how he's manipulating, you know, religious people, manipulating people who are, you know, uneducated or undereducated. And 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 see what's happening. See what's happening out here. You know, I'm really wondering, you know, what he's promising some of these mega pastors or what they're demanding. You know, I'm pretty sure a lot of it has to do with faith-based initiatives. So, again, like I said, you know, pay attention, get out there, question everything, you know, and, and see what's happening. You know, you need to question everything. Not only, you know, religion, but you need to question these politicians, their politics. You need to question, you know, some of these religious leaders. And when I say question them, question their motives. You know, they're claiming that, you know, this meeting between these televangelists and Donald Trump is for a private prayer service. And, I mean, they have no problem, you know, having prayer service in public any other time. So it's just interesting because, you know, pay attention, guys. You know, it's a whole bunch more that I want to say, but I'm going to pretty much leave it alone. But, yeah, you know, I told you all earlier to go look up Sheila Witham. 
W-I-T-H-U-M. Go and look her up. You know, she's a public relations executive. Pay attention to who she is and who she represents. And so, yeah, once, once you know, they have this meeting, and, you know, I'll post about it, but, you know, don't sleep on this. We always tell you guys not to sleep on this. Pay attention. Pay attention to what's happening. And, you know, so, again, we thank you guys for listening um, to this show live or even the uh, archives. We have plenty of archives out there. The next three shows will be on identity, white identity politics. And um, you need to be worried. You really do. You need to be worried about what's happening in this country, what is being paraded and heralded as, you know, courage and bravery, as telling it like it is. No, there are a lot of problems with what's happening. This is very problematic, and it's important that you guys know and understand why. So do some research, ask some questions, challenge some beliefs, you know, political beliefs, and 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 try to get a better understanding of what's happening. But, you know, most importantly, they're going to need your votes this time. And what's interesting is, you know, kind of watching what's happening with the Democratic Party. And they know that they're in trouble. And basically, you know, they're going to have to galvanize and encourage, you know, people of color to go out and vote like they did for Obama, for President Obama. They're going to need those numbers. And so the fact that Bernie Sanders has pretty much caught up with Hillary Clinton, there is going to be a lot of money pumped into communities of color, namely the black community. So I want you to pay attention to, you know, how some of these narratives are being, you know, basically customized to our communities. Just pay attention to the amount of money that they're pumping into the black community, the Latino community, it's important, and it's being done for a reason. So I'm just, like I said, I'm looking at it, and I don't believe Hillary Clinton ever thought that Bernie Sanders would be a viable opponent. You know, they're friends, so, you know, they've not, you know, come out bashing one another, but it's just really interesting because it's starting to look like 2008 is being repeated And, you know, what I find interesting is that um, Bernie Sanders is a socialist. He's an out-socialist. And in this country, you know, there is a lot of vitriol for people that are socialists and communists. And that's why you hear that rhetoric being thrown around so easily. You're going to see more of that. There are going to be some really vicious attacks on Bernie Sanders. And so, again, you know, pay attention to what's happening. And like I said, you know, get registered and go do it. Print out the information. Take somebody with you to go vote. But we we need to do something. And, again, when you see these people out here trying to sell Black Lives Matter as, 
a hate group, a hate movement, you need to check that. Allow them to do that. You know, they're trying to scapegoat, you know, the movement, and they're also trying to scapegoat the black and Latino communities. So we need to be smart about this, smart about what's happening, but most importantly, smart about our reactions. So thank you for listening. This is Kim with Black Free Thinkers. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. And I'll say that one more time. We are here to challenge you to think and live for yourself, not convert you. You guys, you have a great weekend, and I look forward to the next three weeks, white identity politics. Again, we'll be talking about how European immigrants became white. We'll talk about capitalism and was time to global anti-blackness. And we will even be talking about how people of color, namely black people, how we play a role in white supremacy and how we continue to perpetuate it in some cases. All right, you guys. Enjoy your weekend. Take care. Goodbye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.